In the name of Jesus. Today is Reminiscere Sunday. Reminiscere is a Latin term that simply means remember. You might notice uh, last week and also this week there on your insert is that strange Latin term. You might not have seen that before, but this term is taken from the introit of our text for each week during the seasons of Lent. Listen closely to the first verse, Psalm 25 of our introit. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been of old. Remember. Jacob remembered. Jacob remembered stealing the birthright, the inheritance, dressing up like his older brother Esau, all hairy and smelly, and standing there before old blind dad. Jacob remembered deceiving his earthly father. Jacob remembered sinning against his heavenly father. What do you remember? Jacob remembers and so he prays, O God, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I have crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please, Lord, deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, even the mothers with the children. Jacob remembers what he has done. He remembers his sin and he admits before God that that he is due all the wrath and all the judgment that he himself has earned, but yet... He also remembers something else. He remembers that there is yet a God who listens and who cares. And he firmly believes this with his whole heart. And so he prays. It's all that's really left to do. Esau, in this text, is literally chasing him all the king's horses and all the king's men coming after Jacob and all of his possessions, and Esau is angry, and Esau is in the right. Esau has all the power, all the might, and everything that Jacob now has will be taken away. Ever experienced that before in your life? Ever had to start over? One of the things that has impacted me most over the years is what happened when I was in fourth grade. I seemed to be so old back then, but now I look at my own children. Fourth grade isn't that old, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. I had watched my parents since the time I was little work so hard, having their own business, or should I say businesses, scraping to get by. Remember times where there wasn't a whole lot of food on the table. There was always food, maybe not what I liked, but I remember times that were very tight. And I remember this business that that they had built with their own hands, this 
woodworking business. And I remember this beautiful, large, 10,000 square foot wooden manufacturing plant. I remember employees coming and going. I remember mom and dad being, well, just a little happier and a little more content because money was coming in and they could provide for their children in various ways and for others. And I remember that one summer in 1984, looking out from our house, which sat on top of the hill, and seeing wisps of smoke rise up from the valley. I remember running with my father all the way down the hill there to the building, and I remember watching it become engulfed in flame. I remember watching my dad, who never cried, break down, weeping, sobbing. I remember watching my mom screaming and yelling, well, probably at all of us, why, God? Why? No insurance. The most recent shipment, the labor of two to three months of hard work was sitting there on the dock ready to go, an $80,000 payday, all up in smoke and ash. I remember watching half of our possessions burn. I remember the smell to this day. I remember how that affected not just me, but my parents and my family. Maybe you've been there in some way, shape, or form. Jacob was there. And a person of faith in the midst of of what they remember, of what they deal with, always comes back to what God may yet do. And so there is Jacob. He's alone. He's actually taken his family and put them in harm's way. If you remember the story, you can read about it there in Genesis chapter 32. He takes all of his possessions, his sheep, his animals, and he separates them in in droves, in different groups. And he sends them on ahead to meet Esau. So that as Esau is coming towards them, he'll meet one group at a time, and each group is supposed to tell Esau, we are gifts for you. Jacob has sent us ahead. One group, then the next, then the next, then the next. All a sign of repentance, all a sign of Jacob literally giving everything over into his brother's hands. And there Jacob remains, alone, without his family, without his children, without his his armed bodyguards, without, with nothing. And it is there that night that he wrestles with God. I would submit to you, if you have been at a difficult place in your life where you have lost things, where you are questioning, where perhaps you are shaking your fist at God for this, that, or the other, that you've done the same not physically speaking as Jacob did, but that you have wrestled with God and His will, His desires for you, and even what He has allowed to happen to you. You've been tested. We will be tested in many and various ways. And for that, this Lenten season, we must consistently and constantly prepare ourselves Remembering not just what has come, but what will come. Jacob wrestles there with God. 
The word wrestle is much more than just kind of a friendly match that we might watch our kids or high schoolers or college athletes do. It's not for points. This type of wrestling here from Hebrew is literally to the death. This is a battle to the death. And of course, God has the power. But Jacob, even though he is weak, he hangs on. He clings yet to some sort of mercy, some sort of grace. He clings and he hangs on with all he has, which really in light of wrestling with God is nothing, but he, he perseveres. And so the next thing you should learn about being a person of faith, about being a Christian, is the perseverance of your faith in the midst of whatever comes. And Jacob perseveres to the point that God touches his hip socket, just literally touches it and doof, out of joint. If you've ever had a bone out of joint, you know how painful it is. I can't imagine a hip socket. And there he lies, still wrestling, still persevering in the midst of pain, doing that with God. He says, I will not let go, God, until you give me a blessing until you tell me that, that all of this, in some way, shape, or form, is going to come out okay. That it's going to be good. And so God blesses him. Do you know how God blesses Jacob there at that place? <laughs> he gives him a new name. Do you know how your God has first and most importantly blessed you? He's given you his name in the waters of holy baptism. Jacob here in this blessing now becomes Israel. Israel, which according to God's promises and God's sovereignty, becomes now a nation of people through which God provides over and over again. All part of the family of Abraham. You and I connected to all of this in our renaming in simple water and the word the Israelites did become a great nation. The Israelites proceeded to conquer all those who would profess faith in other idols and other gods, especially the Canaanites. There was much wrestling, you might say. And if you read the Bible, you hear of all of this wrestling, all of this battling, all of this war, all of this bloodshed. For the primary importance that people would know that there is yet one true God. And the God who desires to save and to deliver, not to damn and to hurt. And so here comes this God. Here comes the result of all of these promises that God has made. Literally walking on two human legs. Behold the man. Jesus. God in the flesh made manifest comes to earth. Now centuries after all of this has taken place with Jacob and Esau. And here he comes. Jesus, you might say, takes a little spring break in the midst of his ministry. It's why we're a little light here this week as well. 
Lots of people traveling, enjoying a little time off. That's a good thing. Tyre and Sidon, as we hear about in our gospel message, is, is, is up northeast of Nazareth. It's, it's right off of the Mediterranean Sea. Don't really know if Jesus went there for spring break, but he would withdraw from time to time for a little R&R. Even Jesus needed it. Isn't that amazing? And so there he is, and while he's up here, outside of Galilee, he's approached by none other than a Canaanite woman. What's the connection between our text today? What does this have to do with remembering? Everything. has everything to do with it. Because the Canaanites now, you might say the sworn enemies of the Israelites, well, this woman approaches Jesus. And she remembers. Scripture doesn't tell us when and where that she heard or even saw. But she knew that there was one true God who would yet be merciful. Who in the midst of all the wrestling would yet provide in some way, shape, or form. And she truly believed that this man Jesus now walking the earth was that God. So she cries out to him. It's right there in our text. Have mercy on me. Pretty simple request. We pray it. Have mercy on me. And then she says, O Lord, a term of respect, a term of submission. And then she adds to that son of David, a Canaanite? Oh, yes. She obviously has heard of the promises and believes now that the promise of a son of David, a savior through Bethlehem, even the house of bread would come and that he would be there to help her, which is what's really odd because she's a Canaanite. She's not an Israelite. She's not connected to the name that Jacob was given. You might say this, someone who hasn't been baptized, has never really been to church before, perhaps just read the Bible on their own, all of a sudden shows and exhibits faith. Is that possible? Oh yeah, God's Word does mighty things. Have mercy on me, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. You want to go back and ask this lady what she remembers about the time in her life where Things were a little crazy. Pivotal memories that she has, I would imagine this probably would be one. Daughter possessed by a demon. Probably rocked her world. Where does she turn? Who does she turn to? What does she cry out? What do you remember? Where do you turn when you experience these things? But then it gets interesting because we hear a little more wrestling in our text for today. Did you catch it? She cries out, Lord, have mercy. And do you know what Jesus does? That's right. Doesn't say a thing. What? What's going on here? Why isn't Jesus answering this woman? I'm not going to try and answer that question because I think he answers a little later on, but 
At first, he doesn't answer her. He's silent. Now, maybe you're wrestling with God on some sort of issue, or you have. You haven't come to terms with it, and why haven't you given me an answer, God? I know what my pastors have taught me over the years, that you always answer prayers, yes, no, or wait. None of you said maybe, did you? Because God's not wishy-washy. Yes, no, or wait. But I don't seem to have an answer. Here you see Jesus doing just this. The disciples come up to Jesus. <laughs> hey, Lord, this woman's really annoying. Could you send her away? Do something? Perform some sort of little miracle and make her happy? And just, we've got business to do. The business of the church is important, and we don't have time to deal with all this little stuff. If you're a church leader, you remember what's important as well. Of how we love one another, of how we're called to bear one another's burdens. But you know what? Even when the disciples get in on the whole stone throwing thing, the whole gossiping, get rid of her, she stands firm. You want to talk about wrestling with God? You want to talk about wrestling with what He allows to happen to you? You've ever dealt with a bully? You've ever dealt with people that have said bad things about you? You've dealt with slander, libel, you name it? You're in good company. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me again a second time. Now surely Jesus is going to give in here, right? (laughs) Did you hear what he said? This is amazing. This is one of the most marvelous texts in Scripture I would submit to you. He says... It is not right to take the children's bread, house of bread, Bethlehem, promise of salvation through a Savior, and throw it to the dogs. She's a Canaanite. It's not right. I didn't come for the idol-worshipping Canaanites. I came for the connected to uh, Jacob, Israelites, Abraham, the people of faith, which is true. At that point, you'd think she'd just tuck her little doggy tail and run off, right? Like you've seen your dog do when they get scared. But oh no. She replies to Jesus, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I'm a dog, Lord. I don't deserve to sit at the table. I'm under the table where all all the dirt and the little moldy, rotten pieces of food might roam. The places your vacuum cleaner, cleaner and broom don't reach. That's me. And I'll take whatever I can get. That's faith. If your faith is that you think you have deserved something, that you have earned it, and that God needs to give to you in kind, then you are sadly mistaken. And you're going to have a wake-up call. One day, perhaps for eternity. But to remember, to be a repentant sinner to recognize our state and what we deserve, to be as Jacob was, all alone, and yet clinging in faith to God's grace and God's mercy 
and after this Canaanite woman, this woman who descends from an idol-worshipping clan, who has no good heritage or lineage of her own, after she says this, Jesus responds, great is your faith. This is the second time now Jesus has singled out a non-Israelite for great faith. The first we heard several weeks ago, the centurion. And now this woman. What do you remember in your life? Who do you remember? Faith that God so freely gives to you, His name given to you in the waters of holy baptism, and bread, divine, eternal, holy, heavenly bread He feeds you with. Jesus' body and blood for you. And to even help you remember just a little bit this day, to remember God's mercy, God's grace for you, to help you remember and know that, that the wages of all your sin is death, and that those wages have been paid by your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to help you remember that now connected to His crucifixion, We've got a new little piece of artwork behind our altar. Take a look at it when you come up to the rail. Mr. Charles Crane, thank you for all of your hard work. He took an old little altar cross that was back in our bell tower, 20, 25 years old or whatever. And he put all that together, wood that matches our dark cherry and a corpus of Jesus that I obtained for him. Because that's what we need to remember of how your Lord and Savior, our Savior, wrestled with your sin and death and conquered it. That you might know that in the midst of the most despicable things that could happen in your life, of fire, calamity, of sickness and even death, that in Jesus Christ and through His work, you have life. May our faith, our simple faith, be all about that. Be all about Him. God grant it, yes, for the sake of Christ. Amen.